Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View, the final football episode of the year or of the season, I guess, because um, we're already into a new year. But Super Bowl 58 is a wrap. The Kansas City Chiefs are your back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Never a doubt. Uh, if you bet on the 49ers, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I was screaming it from the rooftops. And this is from a guy who wanted the 49ers to win. It's just one of those things where I finally learned to not bet with my heart and bet with my mind instead because everything I, I really wanted the Niners to win. Like I, I want the Niners to win. I wanted there to be a different champion. I wanted, you know, I really enjoyed watching a lot of the players on the Niners all year. Uh Brock Purdy, the discourse around him this summer. Still is probably going to be pretty crazy, but if he won, it would have been even worse, uh, which is, I guess, if you wanted to avoid that, you were probably rooting for the Chiefs. But, like, McCaffrey certainly deserves a ring. Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, poor Dre Greenlaw, uh, who popped his Achilles running onto the field after a change of possession, just, like, the most bizarre thing in the world, which things like that just happen for the Chiefs, man. They happen in favor of the Chiefs time and time again. Um, but that like, we'll, we'll get into the Dre Greenlaw thing and obviously the game itself and all that. But generally speaking, yeah, man, I, I, I wanted, I, I, a lot of guys on the Niners deserve to win, especially with this being their second Super Bowl for many of them. Kittle, I didn't even say Kittle, uh, Debo, you know, basically, so Trent Williams deserves a Super Bowl for sure. He's just had like an unbelievable first ballot Hall of Fame career and still playing at such a high level. Uh he he definitely deserves a a Super Bowl ring. Um but as much as I wanted all of that, I just knew that in the end if the game was close, I I knew the Chiefs weren't going to get blown out and if the game was close and the Chiefs had the ball at the end, they were going to win and that's exactly what happened. Uh it, it just Patrick Mahomes rips your heart out every single time he is like the grim reaper when he was marching down the field in overtime it was just you're like wait you're like sitting there waiting it's he's literally the grim reaper like marching down the field ripping your heart out uh every step of the way it was insane and kyle shanahan's overtime decision to get the ball first huge mistake probably the biggest mistake of the night, I would say, other than that, Kyle Shanahan coached a really good game. Brock Purdy played well. I think the Niners played well. They had a couple of mistakes on the field. Um, and Kyle Shanahan actually had two. He had two bad coaching decisions. Um, so let's 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 just rip it off right now with the the beginning of this game. Um, first half was pretty sloppy football. Uh, all all around. McCaffrey had a fumble in the first half. Pacheco had a fumble in the first half. Um, just sloppy football. It's I think ten three at the half, which right there that was kind of a red flag for me. And I doubled down on the Chiefs at halftime, and then I doubled down again in the fourth quarter when the Niners took the lead. Um, so I bet on them like three separate. Free game and then two two separate times I live bet the money line. So they won me like a nice bit of money, um, some pocket change. But it, it was one of those things where the score was 10 to 3 going into the half. And it felt like the Niners had been dominating the entire time. And it was only a seven-point game. And that's what makes it a red flag. Because the Chiefs defense is the Patrick Mahomes won Super Bowl MVP, but the Chiefs defense, the entirety, that entire unit was the star of this game. They kept the Chiefs in it the entire time. They really made the 49ers struggle, especially in the second half. They really made them work for every bit of yardage that they had. Uh, they were just a sensational unit. And, you know, this offseason, they got a lot of guys coming up on free agency. I think LeJarrius Sneed and Chris Jones are both free agents. So it's going to be a lot of tough decisions and and where exactly you're going to be able to allocate all that kind of money um, if you want to try and keep as much of this core together as you can. But just an unbelievable defensive unit. Steve Spagnuolo is 
uh, one of the best defensive coordinators of all time. He now has uh, four Super Bowl rings as a defensive coordinator. And he, you know, a lot of times with that, you're like, oh, well, is he going to go be a head coach? He tried the head coaching thing. He tried it. Didn't work out. Uh, Maybe he doesn't like it. But, you know, now he's on the best coaching staff in the league and is probably the best defensive coordinator in the league with the best defense in the league. Like he is just as much a great defensive coordinator as like Andy Reid is a head coach. And Andy Reid is right now a top three coach of all time, easily top five, like no debate top five, but you can argue top three head coach of all time. Um, just a spectacular, spectacular head coach. And anyway, I, I digress with that, but the defense just a sensational unit um, being able to play the way they did that blocked extra point. I was nervous when the Niners were kicking that extra point. When it got blocked, I looked at, uh, I looked at my buddy who also had the chiefs and I was like, this, that's it. The game's over. Like that, that was one of those plays where they block it. And you're like, oh yeah, that the fact that it is now a three point game instead of a four point game is basically guaranteeing a chief's win. And, you know, you can look at it and say like, well, if you're a Niners fan, if we kick that extra point, we're probably Super Bowl champions. I don't know. Cause it just feels like Patrick Mahomes, whatever kind of points that he needs to win, he's eventually going to get. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that if the chiefs were down by like they needed a touchdown to win, they were down by four. Patrick Mahomes was going to find a way to put the ball in the end zone. That's just like how he is. And that's just the way that his career has unfolded where I expect these things from like the moment he fails to do something like that. I, I, I would, I'll start to be like, Oh, chink in the armor, maybe like a little bit, a little bit of a exposure there where maybe like you got him, you figured something out, but until further notice, I would basically always expect Patrick Mahomes to win the football game. Like that's just the way it goes. And he's so good. And, and the, and the chiefs were so good despite the incredibly sloppy first half. Um, and even in the beginning of the second half, Mahomes had a really bad interception where he was running to his right through like off balance, like he usually does. And I don't know if he was throwing to Kelsey, he severely overthrew it. But if he was throwing to whoever was behind Kelsey, I think it was MVS. I'm not entirely sure who was behind him, but if he was throwing behind him, then he's throwing into double coverage, which is even maybe even worse, but it is pretty wild that, uh, despite these turnovers, you know, the Niners just couldn't capitalize because the chief's defense was so good. Uh, some other guy, I mean, the Niners, you got to give credit, credit is due. Christian McCaffrey was probably going to be super Bowl MVP, MVP if the Niners won. Uh, Brock Purdy played well. Nick Bosa had an incredible game. Uh, Chase Young had a great first half and then kind of fell to the wayside in the second half, but Bosa was incredible. Um, Dre Greenlaw is maybe one of the biggest losses that you could have had because Travis Kelsey in the first half was horrible. He had one catch for one yard. He he couldn't really get anything going. He was screaming at Andy Reid on the sidelines and even kind of bumped into him. They both played it off at the end. Travis Kelsey didn't say anything. He was just telling him. Tra- Travis Kelsey made a joke and said, I was just telling him how much I loved him. Andy Reid was just like, no, nah, like he caught me off balance. You know, that wasn't anything. So they both kind of brushed it off. Uh, heat of the moment. They ended up winning the game, all celebration kind of stuff. So they they brushed it off. It that's it is what it is. Obviously, if they would have lost that game, this would have been a huge, a, a way bigger deal than it than it was. But um, everyone seems to be kind of brushing it off. No one really knows what was said, and I don't know if we we're ever actually going to find out. So, but clearly, I think you could, you know, decipher that Kelsey was probably just pissed because he wasn't getting the football, and. Um, you know, he's Travis Kelsey, so I, I don't really necessarily blame him for that. But uh, with Dre Greenlaw going out, Travis Kelsey had an incredible second half. Um, Burks, I think his name was, the backup that came in to replace Dre Greenlaw, just was not up to up to the same standard um, and level of play. Because Travis Kelsey just, when he started breaking off those big catch and runs, 
that's when it was like, all right, now Kelsey's starting to get going. The Chiefs are going to be unstoppable. So it was uh, just doomsday. Debo tweaked his hamstring. He was kind of in and out for the the later half of the game where he wasn't on the field all the time. And after maybe a couple plays, he'd have to come off because his hamstring probably was getting tightened up. He was trying to stay in as much as he can. Um, yeah, the Dre Greenlaw thing is is just so, so horrible, dude. Like, tearing your Achilles, running onto the field of the Super Bowl like that from the sideline is just horrible. I feel so bad for the 49ers, bro. Like, so, so, so bad to, to lose the way you did. Um, Kyle Shanahan now has had three blown leads in the Super Bowl. Obviously, he was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons when they had the biggest blown lead in Super Bowl history. He had a 10-point lead against the Chiefs in 2020, halfway through the fourth quarter. They lost that game. And then, of course, this game, they had the lead basically for the entirety of the game um, and ended up losing in overtime. They made one mistake at the end of the game when the Chiefs tied it. And that was when they had the ball, it was like third and four. I'm running that football, personally. I'm running that football, and if Christian McCaffrey can pick up four or five yards, which is certainly possible, then that's awesome. First down, we keep it moving. The game's over. The game's over if you get a first down. So hand it off to McCaffrey. And even if McCaffrey doesn't pick up the first down to end the game, at least then you're making the Chiefs use one of their last two timeouts. And instead, he tries to throw the football. It gets batted at the line of scrimmage. And the Chiefs get the ball back. And you just know they're going to tie the game, maybe even win it. Uh, the Niners defense holds as much as they can. Butker kicks the field goal. We go into overtime. I do not think that this was the smartest move for Shanahan. Um, again, I understand, throw the football, try and get the first down, okay, but at the same time, you have Christian McCaffrey, put the ball in his hands to try and get the first down, and even if he doesn't, then at least you get to burn one of the Chiefs' last two timeouts and make them play a little bit differently driving down the field uh, late in the fourth quarter. And then the overtime rule. This is bad. This is like you can... Basically, chalk it all up to this and, and what was the difference in this game. Uh, multiple 49ers players, Eric Armstead and Kyle Juszczyk, I believe, both said they didn't know about the overtime rule. They just assumed it was the same as the regular season, where if you score a touchdown first, then you win the game. Uh, as we all know, that's not true. Obviously, in the playoffs now, they changed the rule where uh, both teams get a chance to have possession. So even if you score a touchdown first, the second team gets the ball to be able to score a touchdown, which leads me to the point that there is absolutely no scenario where you should be requesting the ball first if you win the overtime coin toss. There, there's no benefit to it. Absolutely none. Because when you agree to receive the ball, when you win this coin toss and you say, we want the ball, okay, you can't win the game. The best you could do is score a touchdown. And what happens now if you, let's just say, so the Niners didn't even score a touchdown. They kicked a field goal. So let's just say they scored a touchdown. You're giving, well, regardless, they, they scored. They kicked the field goal. Now you're giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes with four downs. Every single drive is a fourth four down scenario where you're always going to be going for it. Whereas if you have the ball first, and you stop a team in their own territory, now maybe they have to consider maybe punting it away on fourth down because if they go for it on fourth down and don't get it, now the team just turns around and kicks a field goal and wins the game. So they have to consider punting it. But if you go first and you, you score, now you're giving the opportunity to the other team to use all four downs to keep their drive going. And that's what happened to the Chiefs. They were on like their own 35-yard line. It was fourth and one. They ended up picking it up. But that's one of those things where like you have four downs the entire time. And you're giving Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the world, four downs instead of three to pick up a first down and score. And that is just a nightmare scenario to be in because you're, you're not going to stop him four times in a row. You're just not. It, it's really, really difficult to do that. 
Uh, so you put yourself in a really tough scenario. And Chris Jones actually also said like, yeah, you know, we were talking about it in practice. We were talking about it right from the beginning. Like, okay, this is our plan. If the game goes into overtime, um, that if the team scores and we need a touchdown and we score, we're going for two to win the game. You're not. So Kyle Shanahan said that his logic for receiving the ball was, well, we want to score a touchdown first. And then if the Chiefs score a touchdown, then we want to get the ball back to be able to win the game on a field goal. But Chris Jones completely nullifies that because he said the Chiefs' plan was if the Niners scored a touchdown, then they were going to go for two instead of trying to tie it and give the Niners the ball back with a chance to win it on a field goal. They weren't even going to risk that. They were just going to say, screw it. We scored a touchdown. Let's go for two and let's go for the win. Which, respect, that would have been awesome to see. Um, but yeah, they were never, they were never, ever, ever going to allow the Niners to get the ball back for a second time in overtime. Um, so that that right there is just a really big lapse of uh of like knowledge of the rules for basically the entire 49ers. You can't even blame it on Kyle Shanahan because a lot of the players, I assume more than just Armstead and Juszczyk didn't know about the overtime rules. Um, pretty, that's that's bad. That's really bad. And that just shows you the difference. Kyle Shanahan is such a great coach, but like there's, it seems that in these Super Bowls, in these really high stakes moments that he's had his teams in, he just makes a mistake, like a, a game altering mistake. Uh, and that's one. I mean, that's one of them. That's that's really one of them is is doing that where you're you're not putting yourself in a better a better position to win by accepting that ball to start overtime. There is a zero percent chance you should ever be doing that ever. Uh, and that was that happened to be the first time the over the new playoff overtime rules were put into effect. Um, so that's pretty interesting as well. But yeah, man, that was that is outside of that and then not running it with Christian McCaffrey on like third and four with less than two minutes in the game and the Chiefs having only two timeouts. That and then the overtime are his two biggest mistakes. Um, the Niners also had a couple bad breaks, obviously. Uh, the McCaffrey fumble early in the game didn't really turn out to be anything consequential. Um, Dre Greenlaw, the freak injury to Dre Greenlaw is something that I feel like those kind of things always used to happen in favor of the Patriots. And now they're always, now they're happening in favor of the Chiefs where you just get these, these breaks. Um, because listen, Travis Kelsey had a horrible first half and he had a great second half. One half had Dre Greenlaw, the other half didn't. I'm not, I'm not, that's not a coincidence, you know, like that there's, there's a reason why that happened and why Travis Kelsey was able to cook in the second half like he did. Dre Greenlaw is a huge part of that defense, dude. And my heart breaks for him because now he's he's going to miss all the next year. Um, I actually haven't seen an official report that his Achilles popped. But, I mean, you see it on the replay. He got carted off the field. It's definitely his Achilles. So, I maybe he comes back in the later part of next season i hope I, that's a speedy recovery and i hope that that's in the cards for him he's sensational he's a great 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 linebacker um yeah i i think with the chiefs they really just have this ability to get the points that they need and i i mentioned that last week where the niners they really, they couldn't afford a, sol a slow start. And they did kind of get off to a slow start, but so the Chiefs got off to an even slower start. It was a defensive battle and an offensive struggle in the first half to put points on the board for both teams. But the Niners, at least, they felt like they were winning. Like they were actually, they were literally winning, but it felt like they were in control. You know, things were like in their favor. And then the Dre Greenlaw injury happens. And then the Ray Ray McLeod fumble happens, which isn't really Ray Ray McLeod's fault. 
which the Niners in the playoffs do not have a great history of punt returning. Uh, and I, I hearken that back to the Giants in 2012, where they won the game in overtime because Kyle Williams fumbled the football for his second fumble of the game. Uh, but that was a punt that one of their gunners was blocking and he didn't see the football and it fell and it landed basically directly on his heel and it bounced away. And Ray McLeod, his mistake was just not jumping on the football. He tried to like scoop up the ball and run with it and he wasn't able to scoop it up. It was loose. Chiefs jumped on it. They end up scoring there immediately after that, uh, that turnover. And now all of a sudden it feels like the Chiefs are in control of this game. Like it was like a, 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 a switch flipped where they finally got the lid off and now oh, now the offense is going to start flowing. And that's kind of what happened with both teams. Um, the second half really picked up in intensity, especially in the later half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter was just high octane, like high intensity football. Um the, the the blocked extra point is another thing where it's just like that is you can't even say like oh that's a break in the Chiefs' favor because it's not like Moody missed it, uh right it was blocked that's just a great special teams play in a huge moment for Kansas City and so there's just there's just a handful of plays that you can always look back and be like this changed a, a ton this changed momentum this was a big play this kept the minute and the Chiefs giving the Chiefs four downs to march down the field and score was the worst thing you could do. The worst, the absolute worst thing you do. Uh, I think that overall it was a great game. Um, both teams played incredibly well. Patrick Mahomes is, I mean, we, we've already been saying it. Patrick Mahomes is a first ballot hall of famer. If he retired tomorrow, uh, unanimous first ballot hall of famer, if he retired tomorrow, People are already saying about the GOAT stuff. Again, even with this Super Bowl championship, I'm I'm not putting him uh, in front of Brady. Simply not going to happen. I don't think he needs seven to eclipse Brady, much like how I don't think LeBron needed six to eclipse Jordan, um, which he, he did, by the way. So I would say uh, Mahomes is comfortably like a top three quarterback of all time already. Uh, just with accolade, he has he has more accolades than you know guys who play twenty years in the league do. You know, and he is uh he's sensational, dude. Like he just he just doesn't lose football games, and it's it's incredible to watch him play. And I don't hate the Chiefs. I didn't hate the Patriots, so I'm not very I'm not one to be like oh. I hate them because they're successful. That's not really what I'm about. Um, so I like I like the Patriots whenever they want. It was like cool, you know. I, I guess I say that with um, a bit of a caveat because I'm a Giants fan. So watching you know my Giants beat the Patriots twice, that made me incredibly happy and bought me you know a lifetime of memories to watch them win two different times against Tom Brady. Um. So basically any other success that Tom Brady had just kind of made the Giants two Super Bowl wins that much better. And uh, that's, I guess maybe that's why I like seeing Tom Brady win because it was just like, yeah, Tom Brady's, he's the GOAT. He keeps winning Super Bowls. He keeps winning football games, but the Giants got him twice. And that's my team, man. And that's what makes me happy. So I guess that's why I enjoyed watching Brady win. Mahomes is just a different beast, bro. Like he, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. And you could say like, well, his defense carried him. But like he, his first two Super Bowls, his defense allowed 25 points a game, which if you look back at the history of, of Super Bowl winners and their defense and what their defense allowed points per game wise, Mahomes defenses for those first two were pretty high up like they were not great um and then obviously this one this defense was spectacular like all time um really 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 good and they still they won a championship like it just it, i don't know i just i i don't know how you could stop them i don't i don't really think there's any there's going to be any real like palpable change in the Kansas City Chiefs until either one of Andy Reid or, Cal or Travis Kelsey hangs it up.
which obviously they're both probably pretty close to hanging it up. I don't really know where Andy Reid's head's at. They f- People floated the retirement rumor out there post-Super Bowl. I think that was shut down pretty quickly. Um, but Andy Reid, I mean, obviously you have a generational quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. You want to try and, and coach him and, and, and be there with him in that tandem as long as possible. But Andy Reid's 65 years old. There, there are a couple coaches who just retired. I mean, Belichick didn't retire. He, he, but he is, in, he's in his seventies. Pete Carroll just kind of stepped aside to bring a, take on a new role. Um, he's in his seventies. So Andy Reed, I could see Andy Reed coaching for like another five years until he's 70 years old. That would put Mahomes at like 33, I think 33, 34 years old. So that might be a good time then to kind of hang it up. And then Mahomes goes into a different stage of his career. But, like, you want to definitely be with Mahomes in his prime, probably for as long as he can, I would imagine. Because who gets sick of winning, you know? <laughs> like, who, who's going to get sick of being to an AFC championship game with a chance to win the Super Bowl every single year? Who's going to get sick of that? Not many people are, are going to walk away from something like that. So Andy Reid, I think, is going to stick around. Travis Kelsey's the one where you got to you gotta kind of take a step back and be like, okay, how much? how much is he willing to still do, you know, because he's, he's 34 years old. He had his worst season in the past six years. This was his worst year. He was the, the first time in, I think eight years, they said uh, the stat was first time in eight years. He hasn't recorded a thousand yard season. Um, Obviously in the playoffs, he was spectacular. So, you know, he might have just been kind of, on cruise control in the second half of the season this year in the regular season. And that's why he might've looked like his age was catching up to him, but in the playoffs, he was spectacular. So clearly he has enough left in the tank and he really might have just been resigned to like the Gronk thing where, you know, he kind of saves his body until December, January, and then he turns it up. And, and that might be, a viable formula for him. We'll we'll see how it goes. But one thing's for certain is that Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't matter who you put around him. He's going to elevate everybody. Um, Obviously, Travis Kelsey is his number one target. That's his safety net. That's the guy that he has a lot of chemistry with on the field. And if he's gone and now you're still stuck with quote unquote lesser talent on the outside, does how much more difficult does that make it knowing that Travis Kelsey isn't there to kind of lean back on if other guys aren't making plays? Because that's really what it was all year where it's like if Mahomes isn't, if if his guys on the outside aren't doing what they need to do, he always could rely on Travis Kelsey and kind of force feed him the ball and make him make plays. Um, but Pacheco has emerged as a, a good running back. Rashi Rice is also emerged as a very solid wide receiver. Uh, and, you know, he's only going to get better going into next season. Uh, so that'll probably take a load off Travis Kelsey. I would suspect the Chiefs to go out and try and sign a wide receiver. Mike Evans is lining up to be a free agent, and he's 29, 30 years old. Or he's going to be 31 going into next year. He's 30 now. So Mike Evans is going to be 31. He's never had anything less than a thousand yards, 10 straight years of a thousand yard seasons for Mike Evans. If he's a free agent, what's not to say the chiefs go out and, and make a run for him for like a three-year contract two three-year contract and bring him in to play with Mahomes. You know, Mahomes is going to get him a thousand yards and him and Rashi Rice, Travis Kelsey, like now all of a sudden that's really, that's legit. That's really, really good. Um, not that Kelsey and Rice were not legit before. You know what I mean though? Uh, it's definitely an upgrade. Um, so I, I would expect them to maybe look around, not to spend exorbitant amount of money on like playmakers and outside threats, but I think they definitely got to kick the tires on Mike Evans to see what he, what he wants and what he's looking for. And, you know, he, he did win a Super Bowl, so maybe he sticks around in Tampa and just does the loyalty thing. But if he really wants to win again, why not look at Kansas city? They're in the market for a wide receiver. Things like that is, is that's what makes it scary is that like 
the Chiefs have room to improve offensively. That that's what's scary. And their defense, I mentioned Legarius Sneed, Chris Jones, they're going to be free agents. I think they have a couple of more big free agents as well. Um, and the 49ers do too. And Nick Bosa was, you know, Nick Bosa was getting held the entire game. Literally the entire game. Uh, Jarek McKinnon on one play, one big play for the Chiefs. Jarek McKinnon literally tackled Fred Warner. Didn't get a call there. Um, Nick Bosa got held basically every play, like I said. Virtually no, I don't. I don't think they called one holding on Nick Bosa all game, and that's a guy like he's very soft spoken. If you hear him in interviews, like he's a very mild mannered guy, despite being this brolic human being who is like an elite defensive end in the NFL. Uh, he's very soft spoken, and I felt bad for him in his post game presser. He was just like, you know, me and the guys were just gonna hang out and get together because you know. A lot of groups in the NFL, they don't they don't stay together. And that's just the nature of the business. You know, you're not going to have the same group of guys every single year. There's going to be turnover. There's going to be different people coming in and out. So we're just going to kind of be together and, and hang out for this, this last night. And I was like, damn, that's tough. You know, that sucks. Um, but Bosa was sensational. He really was. Um, I just, I feel... Like I said, I feel bad for the 49ers, man. So many great players on that team that deserve a Super Bowl on their resume. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I The Brock Purdy haters can shut up. I think, I think that conversation can be put to bed. The kid's in his second year as a starter. He's been to an AFC champion, an, an NFC championship game and a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, he's lost both uh, in his first two years. He's coming off. The injury, which he still had an incredible year coming off of that. Um, I think he is going to be uh, a good player moving forward. And I think the Niners, the worst part about the 49ers and how you can sum it up in like one thought is that they have outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, the past five seasons, outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, they have been the best franchise in the NFL and they have zero things to show for it they have nothing but appearances they have no hardware whatsoever they have multiple nfc championship game appearances multiple super bowl appearances and they have nothing and that is the worst and it kind of makes you think of you know the bills and jim kelly nothing really comes close to that you know four straight super bowls and four straight losses for Jim Kelly, Buffalo Bills is like a special kind of torment and heartbreak that not really, not, I don't really not, no sport fan really gets to go through. It was, it was kind of just a one moment in time sort of thing. Um, and it really hasn't been replicated since then, but the 49ers come pretty close because they have been a very good franchise with a lot of regular season and postseason success. And they just, they get to the doorstep and to be met with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice and lose to them, that sucks. You know, that that is demoralizing. And, and it's it's tough to keep getting back to that spot and not having a different result. Like that is, like I said, it's demoralizing. Um, do I think they'll be back there? Yeah, I do. I still think Kyle Shanahan's a really good coach. Um Twitter was calling him the Kendall Roy of the NFL. And I was like, holy shit, that is brutal. Like that is, it's, it's kind of accurate, which is the sad part. It's kind of accurate, but that is, that was, mm, that was, that was a tough burn, man. That was, uh, someone tweeted out a, uh, a meme and it was just the caption from, I think it was episode one of secession. And the guy looking at Kendall, he's like, do you want to call your dad? And then Kendall responds, do I want to call my dad? No, I don't want to call my dad. Do you want to call your dad? And I, <laughs> I, was, I just did that one, that one screenshot. Do you want to call your dad? Oh my God, that's crazy. Um, I also thought it was crazy. Like the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl in Vegas's home stadium with John Elway presenting the Lombardi trophy after they just beat Ed McCaffrey's son and Mike Shanahan's son in the Super Bowl. Just some big AFC West 
domination there by the Chiefs, having all your rivals like that. Mike Shanahan and Ed McCaffrey, obviously, with the Broncos, and Ed McCaffrey with the 49ers, and his son, Christian McCaffrey, and Mike Shanahan's son, Kyle Shanahan, being on the 49ers and beating them, and then having John John Elway present the trophy in Vegas, his home stadium, is just a huge AFC West-like we're the kings of this shit for the Chiefs. Like that, that was really big dog in it. <laughs> it was, it was tough. It was tough to see. I was like, wow, they really got, they got Elway bringing out the trophy uh, to the Chiefs in Vegas, his home stadium. That sucks. Um, but yeah, man, I really, really, really thought it was a good game. Um, I, I, I feel for the, the, the Niners. I, I, I respect the Chiefs. I, I'm never going to bet against the Chiefs. My mindset has always been and will continue to be, I'm going to bet on Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes is an underdog, which I can't imagine he's going to be an underdog for like like the rest of his career, honestly. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand how. Uh, I, I really don't understand how in the playoffs like this, Mahomes was the underdog. but. I got him at plus money to start. I got him at even money um, halfway through the game. I got him at plus money at halftime. I got him even money later in the game. Actually, been money might have been four times. I re I rebet on them, but yeah, man, it was easy money, uh, never a doubt. And it really just you can you can say it with just this is that giving Patrick Mahomes. Four downs in overtime to win the game is a recipe for disaster. That's just how you sum it up. You cannot do that. You can't do it. And that was easily the biggest mistake of the night. And overall, um, I think Shanahan coached a pretty good game, but that was that was definitely I only really have two big mistakes from him. Um they ended up, I think, compounding in, into really what what led to the the Niners loss? I, just tough. It was tough to watch it because you you felt it in in like the in the back of your neck. You had like that the hair standing up where you're just like the entire time I was watching this game. I'm just like waiting. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it eventually did. And it's just one of those things. You're waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're like this. The Chiefs are like they're primed. They're there. You're not you're not taking them out of the game. You know. You needed you needed to go up by 14 or 17 points to feel really good about that game. And it was just basically a one-score game the entire time. And if it's a one-score game the entire time, you know that when the Chiefs need to put points on the board to tie it, they're going to do it. And that's exactly what happened. And then in overtime, you give them the ball with four downs to convert for a first and then to get a touchdown. It You're not going to stop them four straight times. It's just simply not going to happen. So... Yeah, giving Mahomes four downs to end the game with a chance to win is going to end in heartbreak nine out of ten times. Uh, probably even, honestly, ten out of ten times. It's almost guaranteed. He's inevitable, bro. He really is. Like the Grim Reaper marching down the field, ripping your heart out. Um, and ha- I-, I can't imagine what it must have been like to be a Niners fan watching him go down the field just knowing that you're going to lose the game. Uh, it- it's... It sucks. <laughs> like I bet on the Chiefs, and even I was like watching the game, and like, oh my god, they're gonna freaking lose. Like this is tough to watch. It really is tough to watch, dude. So that's your Super Bowl recap. Uh, the big one is finally over. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift were all over the place in the after party. Pretty funny. Um, if you're still pissed about the Taylor Swift stuff, you need to get over yourself. Um, no one cares. It's just fun. And it's cool to have that much exposure for the NFL. Um, get over yourself. You're not that important. No one cares if you stop watching football because of it. Good riddance if you did. And other than that, yeah, um, we have a couple more things to go over for this week's episode. We're going to Briefly go over the NBA trade deadline and we'll go over some NFL Hall of Fame inductions. Let's actually run through that real quick. The Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024 
Devin Hester, my guy, Devin Hester, finally gets in. Um, I'm very happy about that. Like, I, there was a part of me that kind of thought that maybe he wasn't going to get into the Hall of Fame, but I think it was a couple seasons. Finally gets in, Devin Hester, the greatest kick return of all time, one of the most electric players in football history in the Hall of Fame, rightfully so. Dwight Freeney, premier edge rusher for the Colts for a majority of his career. He also played uh, with the Falcons, I think it was. Um, but majority of his year on those Peyton Manning Colts teams, won a Super Bowl with them. Uh, Andre Johnson, Texans legend, one of the OG Texans in the Hall of Fame. Julius Peppers, one of the best edge rushers I ever seen growing up. Uh, just an absolute beast for Carolina. I think he was an all-pro with the Bears as well. Julius Pepper, Peppers, Patrick Willis didn't play too long in the league. One of those guys, I think Luke Keekley is going to follow similarly in his career. I think Patrick Willis only played about 10 years. Keekley played eight. Uh, but Patrick Willis racked up the All-Pros really quickly. Um, really, really great to see him. So five guys right there that I grew up watching, all of them electric, all of them Hall of Famers. It's cool. It's cool growing. It's cool now being older, and now you get to see the guys that you grew up watching be Hall of Famers. And I was like, wow, I, I watched that guy when he was in his prime. It's cool. It's really cool. And obviously, this this started a handful of years ago for me. Um, but nonetheless, still pretty cool. And then uh Randy Gradishar, who's a senior, and Steve McMichael, who's a senior, which I don't know too much about those guys, but everyone else. Really cool to see them be in the Hall of Fame, and rightfully so. Like I said, Devin Hester, greatest kick returner of all time. I actually have, I think I still have, my Devin Hester Bears jersey. Um, he was one of my favorite players. Like, Devin Hester was the man. I loved him. Uh, and yeah, Dwight Freeney, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis, freaks. Patrick Willis, OG, dope, 49ers middle linebacker. Like, he, him, Alden Smith for a minute, and I'm forgetting who was the other guy that played by Patrick Willis' side. Navarro Bowman. Oh, my God. Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, and Alden Smith were, like, three absolute freaks for the 49ers back uh, on their Super Bowl team when they lost to the Ravens. Um, Those three guys were, like, sensational dude they they were awesome navarro bowman unfortunately reminds me a lot of uh dre greenlaw because navarro bowman had a couple of really devastating injuries as well and dre greenlaw kind of ended whereas like fred warner is like patrick willis is to what fred warner warner is now and dre greenlaw is what navarro bowman was to patrick willis it's like the same kind of tandem down to like the injuries the devastating injuries where you're like shit that sucks you know it's pretty wild um but yeah, great, great, great. The the OG of of this trend of the 49ers having great linebackers. It started with Patrick Willis. Uh all right, let's let's go. That was just quick. I wanted to give a shout out to all those guys. It was pretty cool and just talk about it, how much, you know, how sick they were. And I'm glad that they're Hall of Famers now. And uh Dwight Freeney, man. I remember when he left the call. It's always weird when you see those guys, even Julius Peppers. You know, Julius Peppers was a defensive end when uh the, the Panthers made the Super Bowl the first time with Jake DeLome as their quarterback. Julius Peppers was like that guy um on their defense. And it's always weird to see guys like Dwight Freeney went to a different team. Even Devin Hester, like Devin Hester when he left the Bears was like weird. He was on the Falcons for a short bit. Dwight Freeney was on the Falcons for a short bit. Julius Peppers went to the Bears, and then I think he went to the Packers for like a year or two, and then back to Carolina for a year or two to retire. Um, yeah, I, I just it's always weird when you see those guys, those greats, those legends of the game leave and go somewhere else. Um, even Peyton Manning, when he left the Colts to go play for the Broncos, was odd for me. Tom Brady, obviously, going to the Bucks, and those two guys they won Super Bowls with their new teams, and it was still like weird. Uh, but yeah, man, it was. It was awesome seeing all them play growing up. All right. The NBA trade deadline 2024 was very hectic. I think it's safe to say that the New York Knicks, my New York Knicks, won the trade deadline this year. Um, they're falling apart, though. I mean, injuries just really caught up with them real fast. Uh, it started with Mitchell Robinson early on in the year, and they were really good up until recently. 
Julius Randle separated his shoulder. OJ Ananobi had to get a minor surgery on his elbow. They're both slated to come back, I think, by like late March, they should be back, the latest. Uh, because I think Randall actually might be back in a couple weeks, and Ananobi might be back in like four weeks as well. So they'll be back by the end of the season and for the playoff push, which is which is great, obviously, but um, it sucks that they're injured. And then Brunson tweaked his ankle and missed a couple of th games. Thank God he's okay. But Isaiah Hartenstein hurt his Achilles. He didn't tear it, but he hurt. It wasn't an Achilles injury. Uh, so he's going to be out for a bit. And that sucks. We have like basically no centers now um, playing small ball the entire time. They got out rebounded by the Rockets pretty badly. Uh, just Amon Thompson was rebounding the shit out of the ball and he's a guard, you know, they just had two small guys. Um, but the trade for precious, the trade for Ananobi and Achua earlier on was a big deal, a big deal for them to swing RJ Barron and Emmanuel quickly to get them. Uh, and at the deadline, they traded Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Pistons. They sent Evan Fournier, good riddance, uh, Malachi Flynn, Quentin Grimes, Ryan Archie Diacono, and two future second round picks to the Pistons for Bogdanovich and Burks. I'm not thrilled of having Burks back on the team, but he does provide some needed depth and scoring off the bench. He just thinks he's like Michael Jordan out there. Sometimes he shoots these like ridiculous contested jump shots. Um, and Bogdanovich, I think, is going to be a really nice rotational piece in the playoffs as well. And you didn't give up any first round picks or anything of significance. Quentin Grimes, he was fine. I like, I wanted to see him develop, but unfortunately, he just he got relegated to the bench because Dante DiVincenzo has just been um he's been an unbelievable signing. Uh, those Villanova boys, man, are really carrying the Knicks. Uh, let's see. The Mavs added P.J. Washington. They had P.J. Washington and two second-round picks in exchange for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a 2027 first-round pick. They send that to Charlotte. I love that deal for Charlotte as well. Seems like they're kind of ready to deal some assets that maybe haven't been working out in exchange for draft picks and other assets that they can swing for more draft capital. Like they'll prop the Seth Curry and Grant Williams. I doubt they're going to finish the year. Um, on the Hornets, uh, and you know how guys can always kind of get like bought out and whatnot and all that kind of stuff. So I think that this is, um, or even next year, cause they're on the contract, Grant Williams and Seth Curry. So maybe next year they swing them to a contender, uh, will probably be actually the more likely move. Um, so that's a, that's a good deal for the Hornets. And I think it's a good deal for the Mavericks. Apparently Luca and Kyrie Irving weren't thrilled with Grant Williams and his behavior in the locker room and his personality. So they just wanted him gone, I think. Uh, and you got some pretty good value. The Sixers acquired Buddy Heald from the Pacers. Buddy Heald's been on the trading block for the last couple years as a guy to watch out, to be dealt for, for contenders. The Sixers do just that. They don't have Joel Embiid for the foreseeable future. So they get some extra firepower there. They get uh, Maz, who I think has been begging to be off the Sixers for a few seasons. They send Korkmaz, McDermott, Doug McDermott, two second round picks to the Pacers in exchange for Buddy Heald. Again, two rotational guys for a better rotational guy. No first round picks. That's a win for the Sixers. Uh, the Spurs got... Oh, this was a three-team deal, I guess? Because the Spurs got Marcus Morris and a second round pick. Um, and then the Suns... In this trade, they get Royce O'Neal and David Roddy. Royce O'Neal from the Nets, David Roddy from the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies get a 2026 first-round pick swap via the Suns. Um, Chemezi Metu from the Suns and Utah Watanabe from the Suns uh, by Utah. But getting Royce O'Neal and David Roddy, big-time rotational and depth pieces for the Suns. I love that move for them. And then the Nets get Kiata Bates Diop from the Suns, Jordan Goodwin from the Suns, the draft rights to Vanya Mariankovic from the Grizzlies, and three future second-round picks from the Suns. The Nets are blowing it up. I'm surprised they didn't trade uh, Mikael Bridges. But uh, the Thunder, they got Gordon Hayward in exchange for Visalegi, Mijic, and Trey Mann, Davis Bertans, and two second-round picks. I like what the Thunder do there. Uh, Gordon Hayward hasn't played since Christmas because of injury. 
that's just part of the game for Gordon Hayward. Injuries have plagued him for the past several years. Uh, but hopefully when he's healthy, that's a good piece for playoff depth for the Thunder. Uh, the Nets acquired Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie going to Toronto. Don't really know what to make of this. Kind of a weird trade where like these guys are kind of just trading to trade. Doesn't really move the needle either way for either one of these teams. Uh, Patrick Beverly, he gets traded from the Sixers. He goes to the Bucks campaign and a second round pick go to the Sixers in exchange. Another kind of weird exchange here with the Raptors as well. I don't really know what the Raptors are doing here. It kind of all feels like lateral moves, but they trade Otto Porter Jr., Kira Lewis Jr. in a first round, a 2024 first round pick for Kelly Olynyk and Ochai Agbaji. Um, so the Jazz get Otto Porter Jr. and a first round pick this upcoming draft, the Raptors first round pick. Danny Ainge at it again. And those are the big trade deadline moves. Every other trade that I've seen, they're all pre-deadline, like late January, early February. So those are the trade deadline moves. Couple of big time moves, um, couple of like lateral moves, it feels like, but definitely one of the lesser uh, trade deadlines, no big names being moved. A lot of rotational pieces, a lot of depth pieces for a lot of good playoff teams looking to make a push uh, during this uh, playoffs in April. So all everyone kind of just retooling, um, getting themselves in check and uh, you know moving pieces that need to be moved. Chess, not checkers, as they say. Uh, but that... I think we'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. I don't really have much else to talk about. Next week, might have a break next week. Might have a break next week. We'll see. Um, if not, we'll be talking a lot of NBA. And baseball spring training is coming back. So maybe we'll talk about some baseball, have a little bit of a baseball preview. I don't know. Um, maybe we'll do some more pop culture stuff. I, again, I have no idea. We'll see now that football is over. Doors kind of wide open to talk about things. Other than obviously basketball, we'll be covering pretty heavily. But um, past basketball, it'll be kind of just up in the air. So we'll see what happens. But that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you as always. Have a great rest of your week. I'll talk to you all next Tuesday. Pay attention, finish, show you how to get it. First, you make a hundred, move and whip it, chickens. Then you stay down, stack your rest, I'll never spin me. Fudge the autos, panorama, spool, spin it. Extra green up in my pocket, look like spinach. I put gold all in my mouth, I had a dinner. Go for two more lines, and I finish. I said, better late than never, better late than never.